All right. Well, uh, firstly, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. It's uh, you know, a real pleasure to do this. Well, thank you very much. Likewise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first thing uh, I'd like to know is you know, when, when and how did music find its way into your life? Um, well, it, it started quite early, actually. I, had, um, I come from a, quite a musical uh, family. Uh, my parents were both into music. Um, my dad was a, or is a, is a, a contemporary composer himself and used to be um, a professor at the uh, Royal Conservatory in, uh, in Holland. And uh, my mom was a, a harpsichord player, but contemporary m music and modern music, so she played a lot of ligeti and uh, batok and that sort of thing, and music with, you know, harpsichord with tape. And so that's kind of stuff was always around, and it was the type of music that was quite out there anyway. Um, and then I have an older brother who's three years older than me, and um, when he was a teenager, he started playing in bands and started thinking about a professional music career. and. I was the youngest of um, of two, so I, I wasn't quite sure yet what I wanted to do. And initially, I actually thought I might try something different because the whole family is doing music, um, even though it was always kind of around me. Um, I thought I might be a, a graphic designer, and um, that, that idea kind of pretty quickly came and went because I just realised <laughs> that music musically I had a lot more to say and a lot more to um, to do than uh, than graphically. I just wasn't. I was okay, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't particularly good at it, and I realized that, mm -hmm. you know, music came to me a lot more naturally and, and, and easily, and um, so when I moved out of the, the family house, I was around 18, 90 years old, I actually started looking at it as a, as a, as a possible career, and um, yeah, uh, studied for a short while, realized that that wasn't for me either, um, and um, got some work in, um, in a Dutch games company um, doing some music. And that's kind of how it how it started. And uh, what, I mean, what made what got you interested in, I guess, composing music for for picture, you know, for uh, games or short films and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, my, my interest at the time was um, was was very much geared towards kind of com computer games and um, mm -hmm. anything to do with that. And because I was living, um, I'm originally from Holland, so I was living in The Hague in Holland, and there wasn't really a, a, a you know a, a video games industry to speak of at the time. You know, it was um, th there were some companies in in, in England, um, or you had to go to the States, or you had to go to to Japan, and so um, I wanted to do that stuff, but there was really not that much happening. There was one company I knew of in Holland that was doing some game stuff, and they were um, a, a company um, supported by Philips, who had this kind of quirky device called uh, Philips CDI, which is kind of the precursor to CD-ROM, and mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of just this standalone unit, not very powerful. And they were doing educational software for it, but had a separate games division that they thought, you know, might make some games for it. And uh, some of the people that I knew from my childhood, you know, when I was growing up, I was doing lots of programming and, and um, music making on the, Atar on the Atari ST in the demo scene. And um, some of the people I met there uh, went on to, to become programmers in games companies. And one of them had gone to that company. and was doing some games and, and basically said you know why don't you come work with us and you can do some music for our games and mm -hmm. that's kind of how it started but it wasn't it wasn't proper games you know like, they were the kind of games that nobody really knew about and weren't right. really going to do anything and so I realized if I really wanted to do proper games I'd have to go to England so that was kind of my uh, my next step uh-huh and uh, I guess 
you know when you're writing I'm, I'm not a musician uh, you know I'm a, I'm a filmmaker but music is my main source of inspiration mm. and it's like my main writing tool for screenplays or editing or you know whatever but uh you know what what things inspire you to write music uh, where do you absorb your ideas from um it, I mean, interesting enough, a lot of it comes from film. Uh, I remember as a kid being incredibly impressed by some of the films that I grew up with. You know, mm -hmm. the Star Wars trilogy being being an obvious one, but also things of like uh, <laughs> The Black Hole, which I thought had a great score, late John Barry. Um, yeah, yeah. I really uh, liked, it's a, it's, it's a quirky film, but The Three and the Four Musketeers by Richard Lester um, uh -huh. had scores by, um, I'm trying to remember now, um, French composer, just Michael Legrand, and um, the kind mm -hmm. of these these big swashbuckling scores, and and I really liked that, and I thought, wow, would it be amazing to write something like that? But I never imagined that something like that would happen, um, mm -hmm. because at, you know, as I was growing up, I was, you know, uh, just playing some keyboards and a little bit of violin, but nothing that really taught me that this could be a serious career, and it wasn't until much later uh, that that happened, and at the same time. I was also interested in more contemporary music because if there's one thing that's not cool when you're growing up as a as a teenager it's it's classical music you know I played right. <laughs> in a school orchestra until I was about 12 and then realized well if I'm playing the violin I'm never going to get any girls um, <laughs> and uh, you know and there's pop music out there which is also very exciting so I got very much into um, industrial music so um, it's a Belgian group called From 242 um, I like Nine Inch Nails, uh, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I, I really got into that, and um, although I didn't know many people who were making that kind of music, because a lot of people just thought it was lots of loud noise, and mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> started playing in some bands and, and did some drums, and so it's kind of those two things inspiring me, and then the music um, that my parents were listening to, and because they were in the in the contemporary world, there was a lot of yeah, Ligeti, Batok, um, Stravinsky. Uh, and more kind of minimal composers going around and the weird thing to me was that that music wasn't strange to me you know as as, as a kid right. growing up my mum would be rehearsing uh, Ligeti's Continuum on harpsichord so those would be the sounds to which I would fall asleep um, to and, 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 and so that's kind of those kind of pieces are en engraved in my mind and so I had an ear for music that wasn't necessarily the most obvious um, but mm -hmm. contemporary music didn't seem strange to me. You know, you, you, sometimes if you play something contemporary to someone, they go, oh, that's just really weird. There's mm -hmm. even a, a, a Dutch term for it, um, <laughs> which is um, knor, which, mm -hmm. which translated basically means um, beep oink, uh, <laughs> which is kind of just a, 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 yeah, a literal way of describing the music, which is to a lot of people's ears, it just sounds like lots of beeps and noises and doesn't really make any yeah. sense to them. But um, I, I didn't quite have that same predicament because I heard so much of it that to me it just felt like a different style, but just a, a style that wasn't utilized very often. So those right. kind of were my, my inspirations growing up, really. Um, do you have a, a favorite composer? Um, I can't name one because there's, there's so many composers who do things. I mean, it, it's really hard to pick one composer that you like all their mm -hmm. work from. It's usually that you like some pieces and perhaps not so keen on other pieces but um, contemporary wise um, I like uh, Christoph Pendrecki, uh, mm -hmm. John Adams, um, Arva Pert which I think is great, um, John Corigliano who, um, who incidentally was also um, Ellie Gorenthal's uh, mentor um, and um, 
yeah, those those kind of people, Igor Stravinsky, um, those kind of people really influenced me because, and I discovered them somewhat later. Um, some of them I, I'd heard about earlier on, um, mm -hmm. like Ligeti and Batok. Um, but but yeah, some of these people, like John Adams, is someone who only, who only discovered about I don't know ten yeah. years ago, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, to have that big Ameri Americana sound, but at the same time uh -huh. the minimal influence. Um, and then you start drawing parallels to all the people that you like and hear how they're influenced by that, you know. I, I, right. I was saying to you that I really enjoyed your, um, your interview with Elliot Goldenthal, and I can really hear some of Christoph Pendreski's influences in his work and in some of the scores mm -hmm. that he's done. So there's a lot of kind of cross-pollination going on there. Yeah, I mean, it's always great to absorb, I guess, ideas. I mean, I think there's every person absorbs ideas from someone else. It's just people influencing other people, you know? Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's one of the things that my dad actually uh, told me when I started composing and, and started doing it professionally. He said, you know, if you, if you hear stuff, because I was al always playing him film soundtracks and saying, oh, isn't this great? You know, I played him, you know, something from John Williams or Ellie Gorenthal or James Newton Howard or, um, mm -hmm. you know, just, just different composers and have him listen to that stuff. And he said, well, you know, yeah, that is, that is good stuff, but this is influenced by that, that's influenced by that. And if you want to take inspiration from these guys, then go to the source, go to the stuff that they've been inspired by. Instead of just listening to what they've done with that inspiration, try and find out what it is that inspired them in the first place and, and go back to mm -hmm. the source. And, and so that's, in the past years, that's kind of what I've, what I've been trying to do. And it's, like with Ali Gorenthal, it's one of the reasons I discovered John Corrigliano. Um, you know, I think his, his altered state score, for example, is hugely influ influential in, uh, in in some of the more esoteric scoring that you hear in film as well. And uh, and that's the kind of stuff I'm really interested in because it's not the thing that you would hear much in, say, games, for example. Mm -hmm. It's it's the kind of stuff that, um, yeah, it, it, film music has has kind of. Uh, yeah, mi mixed and melded in, in in their stuff, but I think I'm almost finding in, in, in the game music when I listen to the stuff that's coming out is that we're um, we're kind of lagging behind the, um, the, the the film scoring industry. Is that they're mm -hmm. discovering things and styles, you know, taking taking ideas and inspiration from the concert world, and um, and then the game industry is taking inspiration and ideas from the film scoring world. So they're kind of lagging behind a little bit. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like we need a little bit of a, of a renaissance of discovering <laughs> our own styles instead of just aping what, what the film industry is doing. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like games are becoming, I think, more cinematic. You know, they're not so much like this is level one, level two. We're getting into huge stories. And I mean, especially like even Killzone, you know, you have almost almost like a blockbuster film element to it. So I, mm. I feel like the, the line is kind of getting blurred between films. You know, there's like Metal Gear Solid and these games that are pushing boundaries of what games are supposed to be. Um, now I was just talking about um, this game that I recently played called Alan Wake. I don't know if, you, um, if you've seen it. Right, my, my roommate just got it so he's playing through it right now. Alright. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's worth a, a listen and a look because what's nice about it is that it's, um, it's one of the first games I've seen where they really kind of create their own narrative without... It, it's cinematic but it's not looking at film and saying we want to be a film. It's basically to me at least it's taking the same kind of devices that film would take but then putting in a, in a game context uh, and it's about this writer who, who um, 
uh, from what I've played so far, I've only played very little, but seems to kind of get stuck in his own storyline uh, in mm -hmm. this kind of nightmarish uh, world. And uh, and I thought it was extremely powerful, also because what they did very well is is they kind of kept it quite reined in. There was a, a lot of good sound design and, and good incidental music, but nothing was overbearing. It was very mm -hmm. they did a lot with subtlety and. Um, and I think that's coming back to what I was saying earlier. I kind of feel that that's where games need to go, where instead of just looking at the cinematic approach and saying, "Oh, we want to be like films," you say, "No, we want the production quality that film has, but apply it to our own way of storytelling and our own way of mm -hmm. conveying those stories." And um, I think that's where it's heading towards. I think there's definitely a, a shift happening, but I don't think we're we're quite there yet. Um, have you noticed anything? I mean, you've worked on you know the Killzone franchise from PlayStation Two and now PlayStation Three, and the jumps in technology, I guess you know, have changed the way the developers are working. Have you seen a shift in the way you approach each Killzone as they come out? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with, with the first one, for example, um, on the PlayStation Two, um, there was just not the capacity to to stream in-game music from the disc. So, uh, because the the disc was also loading level data and and samples and speech, and so there was a limit to how much stuff we could stream at the same time, and so we had to take the decision uh, not to have actually any in-game music. So all the music that's in the game, I mean, there's a, a fairly big score. I think it's about forty. I think I wrote about between forty and fifty minutes of music. Um, mm -hmm. It's all just cutscenes, so it's all the storytelling sequences. Um, but when you're actually playing the game itself, there's not any any music in there. So, and um, I didn't mind that actually. I think it worked quite well because it very much demarked the, um, the 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 points of where the player is playing the game and and where you're taking out of the game and saying, okay, now we're telling a story. Um, right. But obviously, with with Kills on Two, we we did have the technology to. Um, to, to have in-game music and so um, we decided to use a, an, an interactive music system that would adapt itself to how you were playing the game and, and what was happening at any given mm -hmm. time um, and that was uh, yeah quite challenging in, in itself.